This is uh, our first day of Global Gospel Awareness Week, where we explore the spread of God's kingdom, where we look at the Great Commission um, in a number of different facets. Um, so throughout the week, we'll have uh, different events connected to uh, missions. There will be a missions fair in the lobby today. A number of tables are set up uh, just right outside of the Great Hall. They'll be there until about 4 p.m. this afternoon, so please drop in, uh, take a look, get to meet some of the folks that are there. There will also, also be an international dinner tonight in the Great Yes, there will, in the Great Hall. Uh, and this week in chapel, we will have three speakers. Uh, Matt Allison is with us this morning from Surge. Y. Plummer, uh, who is with, who's the African American Ministries Coordinator for the PCA uh, on Wednesday, and Aaron Tolson, who is a local pastor at Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, will be with us on Friday. So it's my privilege to introduce Matt Allison. Um, he's going to share some of his story this morning, so I will highlight just a few things. He is a graduate from Covenant College, 2004, former, former uh, RA of the Catacombs. He is currently the Human Development Director for Surge, where he has served since 2012. He and his wife Rachel live in West Philadelphia and are expecting their first child. He also has a semi-famous sister. Please welcome Matt Allison. Allison, I did go here to Covenant College. I did live in a stinky foreman on the catacombs for four years, and I loved it. I did study history and philosophy here as well. I loved that too. Um, I spent some time on the field in Uganda as a missionary with Surge, uh, and I spent a long time trying to be an academic. Um, worked on a PhD in history uh, at a couple different places, and uh, kind of failed at that. Uh, and returned to Surge in 2012. I do live in West Philly with my wife. I've never seen the Fresh Prince there. Um, I'm sorry about that. And that tells you a little bit about me. Um, I'm going to talk about international missions uh, as part of this International Gospel Advancement Week. Um, there are a lot of ways for us to think about a missionary. Uh, for the purposes of our time together, I want us to think about missionaries and uh, using this one definition, it's just one out of, out of probably many, but I want us to think about missionaries as people who choose intentionally to tell the gospel story of redemption through where they put their bodies, through where they put their bodies. I like this definition because of how Christ, in his death on the cross and resurrection, was very much using his body to tell the story of humankind's redemption. Similarly, it's where we are present with our bodies that the Holy Spirit will use us. I think this earthly or earthy way of thinking about missionaries is also helpful because there's, there's a tendency for us to think about missionaries as the elite Christians who are the best at acting like Christ, that somehow by virtue of their example alone, people will be convinced in the superiority of Christianity now, it's certainly true that from our perspective, the faith of many missionaries has been exemplary in Christian history. But I don't think it's important for you to know that, I think, it, I think it is important for you to know that God chooses to use the weak and the unlikely as much, if not more than, the excellent and the admirable. Don't think about your participation in God's mission through the lens of how many quiet times you have on average, how good you are at resisting sexual temptation, uh, how many people you have already led to Christ. Missionaries 
uh, are the people who put their bodies in other countries and who, whether they like it or not, wait for God to surprise the world through what he does through them. And these people know all the while that they are poor and desperate, broken people, needy for a savior. But even though Christ, in his death and resurrection, embodied God's heart for using the weak and the unlikely, it remains a constant fight for us to see it that way. I work for an organization called Surge, and one of our values is that we believe that when we are weak, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. We just say to each other a lot, ministry from weakness, ministry from weakness. Um, And I love getting to share this value with you today. But I also confess that I usually want to at least appear like the Christian who is excellent and has it all together. This is just one of the bad expectations that I and probably you carry into how the gospel advances through the mission of God. And I think it's important for us to talk about our bad expectations because I think that our expectations are the greatest obstacle to our rich participation in the mission of God. I want to focus today on how we tend to respond as missionaries, as people on mission, when our expectations and reality don't align. To help us, I want to talk about two missionaries. The first you've heard of, and the second you've heard of, but the first is a guy named Jonah. He is the subject of a book of the Bible and the Minor Prophets. The second is a guy named Harold. He is the protagonist of a film called Stranger Than Fiction. He's portrayed by Will Ferrell. In case you haven't heard about Jonah since you're like eight years old in Sunday school, or if you aren't a devotee of Will Ferrell's non-R-rated canon, let me quickly summarize for you these two stories. Uh, Jonah was minding his own business in the northern kingdom of Israel, working as a prophet, trying to get a wicked king and people to repent, and then God told him to go prophesy to the Ninevites, calling them to repent. Now, mind you, Israel was pretty bad at this point. Jonah had plenty of people at home to ask to repent, but he didn't make that point to God. No, he just ran away and got on a boat to get as far away as he could go. Uh, We don't know where Tarshish, his destination was exactly, but it's far. Uh, Some people think it's like all the way in Spain, so it's far. Um, But he couldn't get there. He tried to get his body all the way out to Spain, but he couldn't get there because of a storm. Jonah felt bad for all the guys in the boat who were going to drown on his account, so he told them to throw him into the ocean or the Mediterranean. A big fish came and eventually conveyed Jonah to shore, but not before Jonah spent three nights inside the fish and finally prayed prayed a prayer himself of repentance. Jonah then gets called again by God once he gets onto the land to go to Nineveh, and he says, okay, I'll go. And he tells the people in Nineveh to repent, and surprise, they repent. And Jonah's kind of ticked off about it. Um, This is the part that doesn't make it into the Sunday school story as much. Um, Jonah's like pretty much, I just want to die. Can you just take me out of my misery, Lord? Um, After he was like maybe the best prophet ever, right? Not only did he get, uh, not only did he prophesy and people responded, they were like the worst bad people. And he's not happy about it. Um, And so God rebukes him at the very end of the book and says, you're super heartless for Uh, not caring about all these people and cattle. That's the last word in Jonah, cattle. It's kind of weird. Um, So that's how Jonah ends. It's not a pretty ending, right? Jonah says, uh, I want to eat worms and die. God says, what about the cattle? The end. (laughs) 
So Harold. Harold was minding his own business in the northern city of Chicago, working diligently for the American priesthood, that is the IRS, and he starts to hear Emma Thompson's voice narrating his day, and he gets a little alarmed. He gets even more alarmed when the voice turns out to be predictive of stuff that actually happens in his life. And then he gets even more alarmed when Emma Thompson says, Harold, you're going to die. He has a freak out, as we all would if Emma Thompson said we're going to die, and only we could hear it. Uh, he has a freak out. He leaves his job. Um, he then goes on this very cliched quest for self-improvement. He asks out a woman uh, who he is crushing on pretty hard. He tries to learn guitar. Usually we do it in the opposite order, right? We try to learn the guitar, then we, yeah. Um, and uh, he even tries to be a better friend to like his one loser friend that everybody feels bad for. Um, basically, he wants to be like a happy, self-actualized American dude and get as far away as he can get from the tragic, in his mind, seemingly senseless death that Emma Thompson is telling is his future. But through a series of events, he finds out that there is an actual handwritten man manuscript for his life. Emma Thompson, the voice in his head, is actually an author named Karen. And once Karen types up the last pages of this manuscript, Harold's going to die. Which at first makes Karen feel sort of weird. She's like, I'm going to kill you by writing my book that the publisher wants? Um, she's not comfortable with that. But then Harold reads the handwritten pages that Karen wrote. And this is like the crux of the movie. Because Harold's heart is touched. And he decides that Karen's story for Harold's life is better than the story that Harold is trying to tell for his life. Karen's story is better than Harold's story. So Harold willingly moves into the suffering and death for the sake of the story that his author wants to tell, which he believes is better than the one he would tell. So I guess it's probably obvious to you why I think about Jonah as a missionary, because he went to Nineveh, a different place. But, but uh, why about, what about Harold? Why is he a missionary? Um, both are missionaries in the sense that they were asked by an all-powerful author to tell a story with their bodies aimed at the deliverance from destruction of the other. Jonah was asked by Yahweh to put his body in the midst of Israel's oppressors and call them to humble themselves before Israel's God in order to redeem them. Harold was asked by an apparently omnipotent author, played by Emma Thompson, to sacrifice his life in a way that I won't tell you about because it's bad to ruin movies. But trust me, it involved putting his body somewhere to do some redemption. Now, I realize many of you may be squirming a little here. Missions, as we generally think about it, looks a lot like, more like Jonah, much less like, much less like Harold. But I think a comparison is instructive. To the extent that Emma Thompson is like Yahweh, they very much are missionaries in the sense that they put their bodies in places that their authors require in order to tell the story of redemption that they would never have dreamed of on their own. That's what missionaries do. I want to make this, two com this comparison between these two characters because how they respond to the calling is so um, instructive. At the start, both of these characters act in a very similar way. Jonah gets on a ship and tries to get as far away from Israel and Yahweh as he can, only to find out that Yahweh is the God of Israel and everything else. He ends up in the belly of a whale for his troubles, uh, with which God gets him to Nineveh anyway. Uh, Harold tries to resist the narrator in his head, make drastic changes in his life, try to seize the day and the story as much as he can, only to have numerous near-death experiences that kind of traumatize him so that he finally just tries to you know, figure out what this uh, Emma Thompson person's all about. 
and both in their own way, they're playing to the expectation of what their lives should look like. Harold tries to do what we think a 21st century dude should do, to be happy and fulfilled. Jonah tries everything he can to cling to the notion that Yahweh is for Israel and not for the evil Assyrian Empire. But when they come to the end of themselves, they starkly differ. Harold, when confronted with the beauty and truth of the story the author wants to tell with his life, embraces it. Jonah, after seeing Yahweh tell another beautiful story of redemption that he didn't want to lean into at all, just asks uh, you know, God to take him out, um, take him to the woodshed. Um, now, most of us, to be fair, don't have uh, the benefit of Yahweh speaking to us directly, orchestrating these you know, whale rescues, and we don't have a magic typewriter that makes everything true. We don't even have Emma Thompson's voice in our head usually. Um, maybe if like, you watched the trailer, laughed at this, you'd have the voice of her, her voice in your head. But, um, and, and so you shouldn't expect calling to work exactly like it did for Jonah or Harold. Uh, but I do think we can still learn a lot from these stories. Uh, in particular about uh, what it looks like to fit ourselves in the mission of God, no matter where God is calling you to go. Um, I want to highlight just kind of th- quickly three lessons we can learn about these two stories. First, um, living out God's story of redemption usually involves suffering. Uh, second, understanding our failure and disappointment is crucial. And third, we know God's story is good uh, because of how it surprises us. So living out God's story of redemption involves suffering, uh, understanding our failure and disappointment. And uh, third, we know God's story is good because of how it surprises us. So why Jonah's suffering and Harold's suffering is relevant to us. Uh, Jonah suffered because the story he wanted to put his body in, uh, he wanted to do it in a different place than God. Uh, he, wanted, he wanted his suffering to be, or he just wanted his experience to be in Israel. You know, we all know about these northern Israel prophets, right? Like Elijah and Elisha. They were like pretty BA in terms of the stuff they did. Uh, that was his expectation. He was like, I got a great continuum here of like prophets that like smite people and get bears to eat people and uh, just do really great stuff. And maybe I'll get to do some of that great stuff too. Um, and so we suffer, I think, when uh, the story that God wants to tell with our lives begins to diverge from that story that we expect. Um, let, me, let me just say that, say that again. Uh, we suffer when we resist the story that God wants to tell uh, because we want to tell our story. And this happens constantly. Um, I experienced uh, one of my deepest periods of suffering when I struggled with the fact that God seemed to be leading me away from academia. I mean, I was like, Mr. Study some, you know, study some history here. I wanted to be like some sort of, uh, you know, Frankenstein superhero, Jay Green, Richard Follett, Paul Morton, kind of, you know, many, many armed Hydra, just like slaying for history. Um, that was my expectation. That was my dream. Um, and so, I thought I, th- I could tell you a really great story about how uh, that version of myself would be uh, incredible for furthering, advancing the gospel, fulfilling the mission of God. Um, 
I could really talk about that passionately because that's what I really thought was happening. I imagine Jonah could talk really passionately about how Israel needed to repent. Um, but I struggled with the story going in a different direction. I struggled with the idea that maybe God was leading me back towards surge and away from academia, that maybe he didn't make me to be that um, you know, monster I was describing a minute ago. Um, not a monster, they'd be great. But, um, I fought to keep my body in the classroom and only came to slowly trust that God could be good in putting me in places like this one, um, in places like Uganda, in, uh, in an office in Philadelphia where I talk to people about what God may be calling them to do. Um, now, to be clear here, uh, while that is suffering, there's lots of other kinds of suffering in our life. And I don't mean to suggest to you that whenever you suffer, it's because you're somehow outside God's calling. Um, please don't hear that. Um, when we are fully doing exactly the thing that God designed us for, we're still going to suffer. Um, when evil is affecting us in the world, we're still going to suffer. Um, we're not meant to just bend over and take all that stuff. Um, what I mean to suggest is that uh, we need to look at our suffering and ask, why are we suffering right now? Um, uh, there, is a, there is a kind of suffering that is a consequence of our struggle against God. I mean, even Christ, who was perfect, suffered in this way in the garden, right? He asked God to give him another story than the cross. So when we are suffering, we should be asking ourselves if we are running from something or fighting for something that we need to reconsider. Suffering is a call to listen to God. What do you do with your disappointment, though? Um, oftentimes that's where our suffering gets us to, to a place of disappointment. And uh, I think respectfully and as one of you, like I took my shoes off and everything, as one of you, um, you are especially prone to responding like Jonah. Your education at Covenant is great. It's so great, in fact, that if you're anything like me, you've created an expectation for yourself um, that uh, you're going to kind of be this prophetic, transformational witness uh, for some sector of life in America or in the world down there on the mountain. And the problem with it right now is that that's a very disembodied expectation. You're up here. Uh, you're not somewhere else. Um, and that's fine. It's, this is a great place to be for right now. But um, I'm an alum and I treasured my time here, but many of the people whom I loved and whom I expected to do great things and whom expected to do great things on mission with Jesus after they graduated didn't. Things didn't go according to their plan. And they did what is very normal when things don't go according to our plan. They cursed God, just like Jonah did. Um, I have a very real concern for all of you, too. What will you do when the story you think that God is going to tell with your life is clearly not happening. What are you going to do? Um, and, I, and I mean to ask you that question because I really want us to sympathize with Jonah. It's easy to look at him as being kind of petty and, uh, you know, like, like weird, weirdly hateful um, and small-minded. Uh, but uh, he, he had a, I mean, think about, think about going to the, the people that have been oppressing you for generations and being the agent of their redemption. I mean, that's, that, is a hard, that is a hard right turn from being the guy that's going to get your people on the right track. 
uh, our lives are going to have, your lives are going to have lots of turns that are not even that hard, and it's going to be really easy for all of us, myself included, to go in the direction Jonah did of saying, um, God, I just want to eat worms and die here and, uh, you know, move on from you. Um, so I just want you to sit in that. Um, that how, when our bold, when your bold transformational dreams uh, don't come to pass, uh, what, what will keep you from following, going down Jonah's path? And then finally, um, the good news is that we are not very good at anticipating how we will live into the mission of God, and that's okay. The story God wants to tell is better than the story we want to tell. From the perspective of reading these two stories or me telling you these two stories, we can see it, right? That the story that God wants to tell is better than the story we want to tell. It's his story of redemption, of course, and it's his good news, and we are merely characters in this grand narrative. And that's sobering on one level, but it needs to be good news to us. Um, When Harold realizes that the death in his story is better than the life that he would choose to live, that's a profound moment. Um, When uh, Jonah is called to save not his evil king, but his evil king's oppressor, that's a beautiful moment. Uh, Missions is like that. Uh, We see over and over again um, these beautiful things happen out of the ashes of our expectation. Um, So it's easy to, I, I, I I wanna recognize that it's easy to dismiss maybe some of this is like platitudes or cliches about, you know, turning our frowns upside down. But um, we, need, we, we need, just for our own uh, sakes, guys, to uh, believe that we can be surprised by God um, because God is working. Uh, and rather uh, than living in our expectations of him and what he will do, we need to be open to being surprised by how he does work. Um, that's what the Spirit's doing, um, is giving us, I think, vision to be surprised when our flesh is just crying out doom and gloom like Jonah was. So, um, just some final thoughts. Uh, if the missionary call isn't about us, if it's a road paved with suffering, if it's likely to have the outcomes that are the opposite of what we want, why do it? Why is Jonah's choice to despair not the right one? Why don't we just give up on the call to participate in the mission of God? Well, because we're good reformed people, we can say, because God chose us. Um, He invited us into his story of redemption. Um, I don't know why he chose a grumpy Israelite prophet to redeem Nineveh. I don't know why he chose Paul, the super Pharisee, to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. I don't know why he chooses Americans with all our baggage to make fools of ourselves over and over again by proclaiming Christ around the world. What I do know is that following the call into the mission is less about going where you think you know what to expect versus going where you don't know what to expect. Going to the places where you need Jesus more than anything to show up. Um, I can say there is delight in seeing how Christ meets us when we put our bodies in the places that we're afraid to go. Some of you may be totally missing me today. Maybe because you're asleep or maybe because I'm not connecting to you. Um, The mission of God, the gospel advancement stuff we're talking about this week, it may be the farthest thing from your mind. You may be way more concerned about how your faith seems to be really faint and fading. Um, You may just be thick in a cloud of shame over what you did last night, what you did in your last test, what depressing patterns you see in your life. You may be already in a place of feeling as disappointed uh, by God as Jonah was in this story. Uh, And I just want to say to you, if that's where you're at, um, don't despair. Uh, The beauty of God's story 
is that he doesn't just choose to use people like Jonah, like the grumpy religious professional who's like going to do it and grit his teeth and, you know, be bitter. He also chooses scrappy whores like Rahab, um, horny murderers like David, um, tired old men like Abraham. Uh, Similarly, whatever reason it is that you see keeping you from living in to this mission that we're talking about, to living in, to putting your body somewhere where you need Jesus to show up, to be with you, um, wherever you're hesitating, um, you'll experience uh, in that weakness uh, how God meets you. And, some, and that will be maybe the most powerful and profound thing you experience whenever you make that, 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 that choice to risk and to go. Um, so the mission of God is not a story that we get to write, but it is a story that we get to live out through where we choose to put our bodies. Remember, Jonah knew that once God actually got him to Nineveh, God would also use him to compel the Ninevites into repentance. I think this is probably what I'd challenge you with the most today. For places that we fear to go because of what we think it'll cost us, Christ says to go to those places. Whether it's relationally, physically, um, go to them. Uh, Because Christ has already gone there and he wants to surprise you with his presence in the places you fear to go. This is our great hope, that God will be there more richly than we can imagine and that his presence will be enough. So what's next? There's so many opportunities of where you can put your body um, and live out the story of redemption. Some of you are probably overwhelmed by like, the num- sheer number of them. Um, and I'm just here to say you can really just pick one and ask God to prepare your heart to see him work when you show up. But I will say that there are a couple opportunities. They were up there on the screen earlier. Um, one of them is with my organization, the, the trip to London uh, to work with our teams that are doing church planning among South Asians, Hindu Sikhs, and Muslims. Um, I think that's a great opportunity because you guys know so much about Jesus and about the Reformed faith, uh, but you'd feel really bad about talking to anybody about it who doesn't know as much about Jesus or from the Reformed faith uh, as you are. So it's just a great opportunity to do something terrifying and talk to like a Sikh person about Jesus. And you're like, I don't even know what a Sikh person is. Um, But it's a beautiful opportunity to go there, put your body there, talk to the Sikh person and see what God does. Um, We also have some internships that I'd love to talk to you about. Um, if you're interested, I'll be in the Great Hall in a bit. Um, and I'd just love to talk about your story. I mean, seriously, wh- whatever shame cloud is just hanging around you today, um, I'd love to, you know, be a listening ear and encourage you with the gospel in it. And we'll see, we'll see where God takes us. Um, so uh, thank you for your time. Um, it's really fun to be here and stand up and look at all these beautiful, uh, dirty, Uh, yellow and red bleachers and all of your beautiful faces. Um, So let me just pray for us and then I think you guys can go. Father in heaven, um, thank you that uh, you suffered with us um, by sending us your son. Thank you that um, you work in this world, that um, you are physically present uh, with us every Sunday when we... uh, eat bread and drink wine in remembrance of you. Thank you that uh, as a community, your spirit dwells richly among us uh, because we confess your name. And I pray that you would show us what it means to put our bodies in the places that uh, we're afraid to put them in and and we're afraid to trust in you to surprise us there. Um, Change our vision, Father. Give us what we need to see you at work. Um, In your name I pray, amen.